chapter 3, look what it says here. For I am weak today, though anointed king. I'm going to read that one more time. And I am weak today, though anointed king. Let's pray. And if you can help me. Father, I just thank you right now for your presence. I feel your presence here, Lord God. And I know you've given me this word for this congregation. I don't know what people are going through. I don't know what they're dealing with, Lord. But I know this word is pertinent for where we are today. May every person here open up their heart and their minds to the truth of the word. And everybody said, amen. Man, this scripture jumped out at me earlier this week. Because I don't know about you guys but I felt weak. There may be some of you here this morning. (laughs) Not maybe, there is. I feel you. You've been feeling weak. But the Holy Spirit wants you to know something. Even though you're weak, you're still anointed. This scripture is powerful because King David is making a declaration before the people. And it's a declaration where he's admitting his frailty. It's a declaration where he's admitting to being weak, but in showing he's weak, he's really demonstrating strength. See, what's happening in this chapter, if you read it, I wanna encourage you to, 2 Samuel chapter three, It starts out, verse one, by saying, and the house of Saul and the house of David were in a long, long, long war. Have any of you ever been in a long, long, long war? Anybody here ever been in a battle that just seems like it goes on forever? A battle in your marriage, a battle in your finances. You tried to get that business off the ground. You thought it would be off the ground by now, and it's not. You thought you'd be over the hump in your relationship, but you're not. David knew what that felt like. And as we start the chapter, this war had been going on and on. 
And the battle was basically for David to take over the throne over all of Israel. See, Israel had been divided. And there had been fighting. There had been bickering. There had been accusations. David's not anointed. He's not king. He ain't got it like that. People over here that can't stand him. People over here that love him. All this stuff's going on around him for years. In a war, we just celebrated Veterans Day. And thank you to all the veterans in the house. We acknowledge you. We thank you. Can we hear it for the veterans in here today? Veterans, you know this all too well. In war, there's casualties. So when the Bible tells us that the house of Saul and the house of David had been at war a long, long time, you know what that means? David lost some relationships. David had buddies, had friends, had homies. No longer with him. No longer serving with him. No longer with him. Some of us know what that's like. Some of us have experienced that. So this war had gone on and on. And right when it seems like everything's coming together, David's about to cut a covenant where it's going to unite the entire kingdom. And David is going to be able to rule and fulfill his destiny that he was anointed as a shepherd boy. He's right about to step into it. And then something goes wrong. Y'all ever been there? He thought everything was going to be smooth after this one thing, and then it falls apart. Read the chapter. It's amazing. What happens is one of David's generals gets into it with another guy, kills him, and then all of a sudden the treaty is off, and David's broken. David's in a place where, when's this going to be over? breakthrough going to come? How many of y'all have ever been in a place like that? I thought I would be married by now. I thought the business would have took off. I thought I'd be a homeowner by now. And just when things start to come together, it falls apart in David's hands and he loses it. The Bible says he goes to the funeral and he begins to lament this whole thing. over you. You may be weak in your marriage. You may be weak in whatever you've been going through. You may feel like quitting, but you need to know this today. You're still anointed. Come on, tell your neighbor next to you, you're still anointed. See, in this scripture, what's happening here is David is on the cusp of a breakthrough. What you need to see this morning is this. Just because you're anointed doesn't mean life's going to be easy. How many have found that out? I wish we can get more people to understand that having Jesus doesn't mean life is easy. Sometimes we think because I serve God, everything should be easy. Sometimes we think, oh, because I'm anointed, everything should be easy. But that's not what David found. David was anointed as a shepherd boy. 
David had some victories. He experienced some breakthroughs. But here he is. Even though he's anointed, he's getting beat down. Life is beating him down. He's going through challenges. He's experiencing loss. It's not as easy as he thought it was going to be. Some of you need to understand just because you're anointed doesn't mean everything's just going to work out. You found the right woman. You did. Quit, quit doubting it. Quit doubting it. It's for somebody here. Because you've been saying, well, if this marriage is supposed to be, why is it so hard? Because marriages work. Period. Period. Well, I just, I need to just get rid of this guy. He's stupid. You laugh, but there's somebody in here who has said that. Don't make me point you out. The Holy Ghost is moving. I'm done with this marriage. You may be weak, but you're still anointed. You may want to get a divorce, but you're still anointed. Marriages work. Well, I have these kids, and these kids are driving me crazy. I got one amen. happened to David, he was right on the cusp of his destiny. Some of you are going through some hell right now. It's because right on the other side of this valley that you're walking through is an amazing, amazing blessing. And it's made you weak. of going to the ATM and just praying there's something in there so that you can get a two for two at McDonald's. Come on, somebody. And you're at that ATM like Shandarabakata. Lord, let it be. We laugh, but some of us have been there. Some of us are there. side. And what happens with David here, he's about to step into destiny and it falls apart. See, David was about to promote. Some of you guys here today, you were right with David. And that's why you're going through hell. That's why the battle is real. The struggle is real. And you want to quit. And I've just come to tell you today, don't quit. Don't stop. You may be weak. to take you over to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 7 and 10. Let's bring it into the new covenant, the new testament. This is a scripture that you need to learn and understand. But without the Holy Spirit, it won't make sense to you. Look what it says. It says, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. Paul says this, a thorn in my flesh was given to me 
a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. This has been preached about a lot in the church. But let me bring some clarity. Paul says he's going through something. He does not say God sent this to him. He clarifies a messenger of Satan is buffeting me. I wish I could teach the children of God that your God doesn't put death on you. He doesn't put sickness on you. He doesn't exist to make your life a living hell. You're thinking of somebody else. Because John chapter 10, verse 10 says, Jesus said, I came that you may have life and life more abundantly. It's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And some of you have looked at your life and you've looked up to heaven and, says, and said, God, what are you doing to me? It ain't God. Tell your neighbor it ain't God. It ain't God. What Paul makes the distinction of saying in this scripture is this. I'm going through some things. And God is using it to keep me humble. But can I just tell you, don't make the mistake of thinking God brought it to you. That's not the kind of God we serve. I would never teach my kids a lesson by making them sick. I would never teach my kids a lesson by harming them. And guess what? God's a better dad than me. And he won't do that to you. But Paul is trying to get us to understand something. He's trying to get us to understand that sometimes we could be full of ourselves. Sometimes we can think we're all that. And Paul said, I'm no exception. Paul is basically saying this, hey, uh, I know a lot of stuff, guys. I know a lot of stuff. And I've been buffeted by a messenger from Satan. And what that does is it keeps me humble. It keeps me relying on God. But let me tell you something. It's not God that sends that trial. Are we clear on that today? Let's keep reading. He says, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Think about that. How many have ever been there? You go through something, you ask God not once, not twice, three times. God, heal me. God, fix our marriage. God, God, bless this business, Lord, so I can provide for my kids. You prayed three times, God, send me a husband. Send me a wife. I'm tired of living alone. You've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed. We've all been there. But 
But Paul explains something that I believe sometimes has been misinterpreted. He says that God's answer to him is my grace is sufficient for you. You know what some people have translated that to mean? I'm not gonna do anything for you. They've translated the fact that that Paul has asked three times, God, do this, do this, do this. And God answering back, my grace is sufficient. They've translated that to mean I'm not gonna do anything. That's not what it means. He prays three times and the Holy Spirit says, my grace is sufficient for you. See, this is why we gotta have a full understanding of what that word grace means. Grace is not just the big cover up. By grace, we are saved. Grace covers my sin. Amazing grace. When I make a mistake, God gives me grace. Yes and amen. But there's another side of grace. Grace also means in the Hebrew, God's divine enablement. It means this, God's endowment of power into my life. So Paul prays three times, God, take this from me. And God's basically saying this, my divine empowerment in you will get you through this. Do y'all see that today? That's what he's saying to you today. He's not saying no. He's trying to get you to see, I've already given the answer to your problem. It's in you. Tell your neighbor it's in you. My grace is sufficient for you. That's what that means. It means I got you. It means I'll fight for you. It means I'll get you through this. It means I'm with you. It means I've heard your prayer. It means I'm the answer. It doesn't mean I'm not doing nothing. It means I'm with you. It means this. The answer to what you're going through is already in you. It's like this analogy, you know, if, if before we left the house, I gave Serge $50, my son Sergio, I gave him $50. And then after church, he goes, dad, I need $20. I'm not gonna give him $20. I already gave you 50. Come on, somebody, how many know I'm talking about? And I'm not not giving him $50 because I don't want him to have what he needs. But here's the thing. My answer is this. Son, I already gave you $50. Use that. Sometimes when we pray, God, get me through this. Get rid of this thing. Help me. God says, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, I've already given you the answer. And we keep going, yeah, but I need this. It's in you. There's not a father here that wouldn't say, son, I gave you $50, you got this. That's what the father is telling us in the scripture. He's not saying, no, I'm not gonna do it, just live through it. He's saying, no, my grace is sufficient for you. I already gave you 
what you needed to get through this trial. I already gave you what you needed for this marriage. I already gave you what you needed to get through this trauma. I've already given you what you need to get this business going. My grace is sufficient for you. And then he says this last part here, and you need to catch this today. He says, for my strength, go back to that ahead of me. He says, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. You may be weak, but you're still anointed. See, we don't like weakness. There's not a person here that gets excited about weakness. If I would have went on Instagram and said, hey, come to church, we're going to talk about weakness. Fools would have been like, I'd go into that. That's whack. Whackness is what you're going to talk about, not weakness. But you need to understand who you are. In the kingdom of God, things are different than in the kingdoms of this world. In the kingdoms of this world, there are things that run opposite of each other. Hot and cold. Do you ever notice you cannot be hot and cold at the same time? You're either one or the other. You cannot be weak and strong in this world. You're either weak or strong. But in the kingdom of God, it's different. In the kingdom of God, the scriptures tell us that when we are weak, we are strong. The kingdom's different. And in the scriptures here, he's telling us God's strength is made perfect in weakness. Some of you going through it, you feel like quitting. You've been praying for your son to get saved and he ain't getting saved. Matter of fact, it looks like he's getting worse. You've been praying for your marriage to get better and it don't feel like it's getting better. It don't look like it's getting better. And you're tired. You're weak. The scriptures say his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Let's keep reading. It says, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. And then he says this, that don't make no kind of sense outside of the Holy Spirit. Because when I am weak, then I am strong. He doesn't say, because when I'm weak, God, you're strong. He says, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Church, what you need to know today is your weakness doesn't define you. Some of you beat yourself up when you're weak. You start condemning yourself because you want to quit or you're tired or this or that. No, 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 no. Listen, weakness is a part of the package. We just need to learn what our weakness is about. And we need to learn, catch this now, what to do when we're weak. Because some of you don't know. When 
you're weak, you go back to your old ways. When you're weak, you pick up a beer. When you're weak, you go back to your old friends. When you're weak, you watch pornography. When you're weak, you do this thing or that thing. Paul wants us to know when we're weak, we can come to God. Because he makes us strong when we're weak. I was talking to a pastor friend this week and we were chatting it up about church and things that pastors talk about. And he goes, you know, pastor, I was praying for my church and I told them one Sunday, he goes, I'm praying for some of you to get blessed, but I'm not praying for all of you to be prosperous. He told me that and I was like, dang, dude, that's jacked up. Like that? I was like, I'm glad I don't go to your church. Pastor not praying for his people to be blessed. So he's my boy. I said, bro, that kind of sounds jacked up. You told your church that? He said, yeah, let me tell you why. Because some people in the church cannot handle the blessing of God. And if God were to prosper them like he wants to, we won't see him no more. Because some people don't know how to handle the blessing. Some people, if you got the breakthrough that God wants to give you, you'd be gone every weekend on a trip. At this fight, at that fight, out on the boat. Talking about serving, pff, nah, I'm gonna be gone that weekend, sorry. Some of you going, yeah, that, that's true, Pastor, I, that'd be me, that'd be me. Well, guess what? You would fail the test. Most people mess up, not when they're in the valley, when they're on the mountaintop. That's like some of y'all here. When you were struggling at church every Sunday, pastor, what do you need? Where could I serve? Where could I help? When you was trying to get a career, oh, pastor, what's, what's good? Tell me what you need. When you was in school to get that degree, oh yeah, pastor, what you need? Now you got the degree. Now you got the position and you don't do nothing for God no more. Pastor, just pray, man, that I get married and I want to have a family and I want to have a baby. God comes through. You get married and you get the baby. Now you're too busy to serve God. Got real quiet in this Presbyterian church. You was on fire for God when you were single. Now you got a man, you don't serve. You don't help no more because you got a man. You got the blessing. And now you forgot the one that gave you the blessing. You got a house. You forgot the one who gave you that house. This is what happens. So Paul reminds us there's a blessing in weakness because weakness has a way of making sure you understand who that thing came from. Weakness has a way of humbling us. I'm never closer to God than when things are 
tough in my life. I hate to say it. When things are tough in my life, I'm on my face, praying, crying, God, where are you? And can I tell you something? We're all like that. That's why Paul reminds us, when we're weak, we got this. We're strong. But when we're blessed, how are we? Some of you aren't passing the test of blessing. And I hate to speak this to you because I'm going to hurt you right here. But I didn't say this. Jesus said this. Jesus says it like this. When he blesses you and you don't steward the blessing, he takes the blessing from you and he gives it to somebody else. That's what he says, not me. Ask yourself today, how are you stewarding the blessing? Well, pastor, I'm trying, but it's hard. I get it. You're weak, but you're still anointed. Life happens, careers, marriages, children, but you better never let off of the call of God on your life. We'll answer for that. When things get tough, learn how to rely on God, not quit. Not quit. And Paul's trying to teach us here, when you're weak, it's okay. Understand, you can be strong. Let me take you to a few other uh, scriptures and then I want to pray for some people. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 through 31. Look at this scripture here. It says, have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth? He neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Look what it says. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. See, this is why Paul could say, when I'm weak, I'm strong. Because he understands, the scripture doesn't say, I give power to the strong. It doesn't say, I increase those that got it all together. It says he gives power specifically to the weak. Paul knew this. Paul knew that when I'm weak, it only means God's getting ready to fill me. Because guys, this is a promise. This is the promise that when we run out of things, when we're weak, when we feel like quitting, when we feel like going back to the world, when we feel like closing the business, when we feel like giving up on the marriage, don't because you're weak and he's about to pour out into you. He says here, and to those who have no might or no strength, I give strength. God's a good God. He says, even the young people, man, they're going to faint and be weary. We're seeing that in today's generation. This younger generation is dealing with more mental health problems than our generation even knew existed. Young people have anxiety. They have fears. They have depression, suicide, all this stuff. The Bible knew. Even you young people, you'll be weary. 
what he says. And the young men shall utterly fall, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Somebody say amen. See, and I know you think you know what that means. I know you've heard this before, and you know, and some of you think if I got to wait on the Lord, that means this, worship. It could. Others of you think, well, wait on the Lord, that means I just got to be patient. It could. But can I tell you what it says in the original Hebrew? It uses a word by the name of kavar. And that word wait, kavar, in the Hebrew means this to bind together. So when you read it, it should really read, but those who bind together with the Lord shall renew their strength. Some of y'all just been waiting, waiting. No, that's not what that means. You want to get strength? You got to bind together with the Lord. You may have to turn off the Joe Rogan podcast and listen to some preaching. You may have to turn off your old school channel. Come on, somebody. Stevie B can wait. MC Shy D for another day. Okay, Kanye West, unless it's the gospel albums. You may need to put some worship on. You may need to turn it off. You may need to turn it off altogether and start praying in tongues all the way to work. Shika rabasata. Amen. Mama say, Mama saba makusa. Hannah, Mama say, everybody. Come on. You just get there. Pray in tongues. Because if you're going to wait on the Lord, it means you bind together with Him. Some of you can't bind together with Him because you're bound to sin. Some of you can't bind together with Him because you're in a binded soul tie with somebody. And they take all your time, all your attention, all your mind space. But if you're weak and you're about to quit on your dreams, on your destiny, then you better learn how to bind to the Lord. How many want to know how to bind to the Lord? I want to pray for you in a minute, but let me tell you three ways that God will renew your strength this morning. Three ways that God will renew your strength. He breaks it down to us right here in Isaiah chapter 40. The first way is through divine intervention. Divine intervention. The scriptures say that he will mount us on wings of eagles. But do you know what that means? Some of y'all praying that in your prayer closet because it sounds deep and you don't even know what it means. God, mount me on your wings like an eagle. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, let me tell you what it means. You see, when an eagle is teaching its eaglets to fly, the eagle does something very unique. See, this is why you should watch the National Geographic channel. Come on, somebody. When you're you're over your grandpa's house and he's got it on, don't make him change it. Sit down with him. Because what you find in those shows is when an eaglet is learning to fly, the mother eagle pushes it off off of the nest. And that eaglet begins to fall. And if it can fly, it'll start uh, wagging, wagging. It'll start flapping its wings and it'll start flying. But when the eagle, catch this, the eaglet is too weak to fly, the mother eagle swoops down and catches that thing in the small of its back on its wings and 
takes it back up. Sometimes we need that. Sometimes life is just knocking us around. Things are hard. We're falling. God comes in with some divine intervention. Can I get an amen on that? And you ain't got to do nothing. You're just sitting there falling. You're trying to stay above water. You're trying not to commit suicide. You're trying not to go back to your old life. And God just comes right down and swoops you up. You're praying for a miracle and it comes. You're needing a healing and it comes. That's divine intervention. That's God coming down and saying, I got you. And he takes you back up. Oh, I love those times. We all do. But can I tell you something? That's not the only way God gives you strength. It's one way. It's a good way. It's the way I like. But he's got two other ways. The second way that God gives us new strength is through divine enablement. What is that? That's his grace. That's what Paul was talking about when he said, my grace is sufficient for thee. We also see it in Isaiah 40 because he says, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings of eagles. That's divine intervention. And then he says, and then they will run and not be weary. That's divine enablement. Because guess what? some of the things we're going through in this room, God's just going to give you the strength to get through it. He's going to give you the ability to not quit, to run through the trial. You experienced the loss of a loved one. You experienced a mistake. You experienced a problem. God can't go back in time and fix it and make sure that it never happened. But guess what he can do? He can give you the divine enablement so that you can run through this. I'm sorry that person died. I'm sorry the abuse took place. I truly am. We can't go back in time. But God, through his grace, through his mercy, can give us the ability to keep on going and not grow tired. Tell your neighbor, don't give up. See, people don't like that one, but I've learned to love this one. I've learned to love this one because there's some things we can't change. When you're dealing with other people, you can't change a person. God can give you the grace to run with them. God can give you the grace for your kids that are driving you crazy. God can give you grace for these tough times that your business is in right now. God can give you the grace to be alone, single people, so that you don't give up and call one of them old knuckleheads shouldn't even have their number in their phone. I don't know why you're still following them on Instagram. But God can give you the divine enablement so that you don't go back. You keep running forward. I have learned to love this endowment of strength. 
the last one is his divine encouragement. Isaiah 40 says it's the ability to walk and not faint. You see, he goes from running to walking and anybody that's done any kind of exercise knows when you run, you don't just stop. You take your run and you turn it into a walk. You let your body calm down. You let your blood keep flowing. You let your legs keep moving because you've just been through a race. You've just got your heart beat up. You don't just run and then stop, sit down. No, you, 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 you see these runners and they're still walking around. They're still, you know, they're, 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 they're still moving. They're still going because that's needed because something's been happening to you. You've been in a battle. This is where encouragement, guys, gets so important. You know what's wild about encouragement? God can use any single one of us here to be an encourager to somebody else. If you're a father, encourage your kids. It's easy to do. If you're a mother, encourage your kids. If you're, if you're married, encourage your spouse. Why do we bring discouragement so much? Why do we find it so hard to say to our children, man, I'm proud of you. Good job. Why is that so hard? Why do we find it so hard to say to our spouse, I love you. You're amazing. Thanks for being a good husband. Thanks for being a good wife. And then take it out of your home. Do you got friends? Tell them how awesome they are. Encouragement is a source of strength. And it's a source that God uses. Can I just tell y'all something? When we, when we had the pastor's appreciation, that was so encouraging to myself, my wife, our pastors on the stage. We felt so encouraging. The gifts were amazing. But can I tell you what was even just as amazing? Not, not as amazing, not more than, because we still want the gifts, amen. But just as amazing was some of the cards that we got from you guys that just said, thank you for being a good pastor. Super encouraging. Guys, encouragement is something we all need, but it's something we also all have the ability to give some to somebody else. So three ways God is going to encourage you through divine intervention, divine enablement, and divine encouragement. My, my hope this morning is that this word encourages you. Because as I was getting ready for church today, I started feeling the burden of you guys. Some of you are weak and you're tired. Life has beaten you up. We feel like David. We've been in a long, long, long battle. You thought the career would be better now. You thought the relationship would be better. You thought the money problems would done be over. And here you are. As I was getting ready for church this morning, I just, I could feel what some of you are going through. Some of you in your weakness, you've pulled back from God. Because that's what we do when we don't understand the new life. I see it all the time. There's people watching on live stream right now. They didn't come to church. You want to know why? Because 
even want to come because they feel bad about themselves because they've made a mistake because they're going through a tough time because they got in a fight with their spouse last night because of this, because of that, they're weak. They didn't come today. This is why it's important I teach you the scriptures because you've got to know what to do when you're weak. The last thing you want to do is run from God. The first thing you need to do when you're weak is run to God. And Paul was trying to teach us this when he taught us that when I'm weak, I'm strong. Strength comes from God. So many of us have made mistakes in our weakness because we didn't understand what I'm teaching you today. That it's okay to be weak. Just take your weakness to the Lord. And just like King David, I declare to you today, today I'm weak, but I'm still anointed. Today you may be feeling weak and weary, but you're still anointed. Well, I hope you've been encouraged by the word of God. And if you have, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or download our free app at the App Store and you can continue to get word every week from Elevate Life Church.